0: A couple of months ago, you would have got extremely long odds on a victory for Jeremy Corbyn in the campaign for leadership of the British Labour Party. Yet astoundingly, Corbyn now heads Her Majesty's opposition in the world's fifth largest economy, having secured a whopping 251,000 votes out of a total number of 440,000. Richard Seymour, a deceptively simple question to begin with. How do you explain Corbyn's success?
1: Uh. I think we have to explain it, first of all, in terms of the weakness of the old Labour establishment, the right-wing managerial establishment. Why did they go into such a crisis? One reason is that they lost Scotland, right? In the last election, Scotland was the bastion, the heartland of the old Labour right. Uh, The MPs from that area were those who kept um, the uh, organised core Of the Labour leadership in power and because of the uh, degeneration of the Labour Party under uh, the leadership of the new Labourites, the Blairites, because of the loss of five million working-class votes and the transfer of many of those votes to the SNP, the Scottish National Party, uh, as an alternative progressive party um, in uh, the last few years, Um, they ended up in a situation where uh, one of the uh, electoral reforms they tried to push through in the Labour Party, um, which was basically to allow people to vote as affiliates and to allow people to vote as um, uh, individual union members, um, that essentially turned against them. That allowed a very large number of people to join up, uh, to support the Labour Party, to register as supporters or as affiliates, and um, they uh, drove Corbyn to his success. Um, The important thing to say about this is that when they initially devised these plans, uh, they had in mind something like the Democratic Party of the United States, like uh, in primaries, where you have a largely passive base of people um, who aren't politically active, who more or less uh, defer to the common-sense, middle-of-the-road Um, centre-right position. Um, And they hoped that these people would anchor Labour's positions largely to the right and that they would be voting for her and cash cows, you know, providing a little bit of money for the party and voting whichever way the leadership wanted. Um, And the fact that that didn't turn out to be the case, um, I would say, is also partly to do with the fact that we have had An eight-year-long reaction against uh, the credit crunch and austerity. It's particularly younger people who've lost out. They've lost out in terms of jobs. They've lost out in terms of uh, tripling of tuition fees. They've lost out in terms of cuts to the education maintenance allowance. So if you're a young person today, uh, the opportunities to get ahead, um, to get a career, uh, to get a higher education, have been significantly demolished and this is in the context in which there's been a general decline in living standards the longest decline in living standards since world war ii so this is a delayed reaction to that experience Mm. Um, and it only happened because there was a small chink in the armor of their old leadership of the Labour Party.
0: He's been in the job for less than a fortnight, but Corbyn has already come under a sustained, vicious, and I would argue coordinated attack from the Murdoch press, key elements of the British establishment, including a senior serving general of the army, the Tory government, and perhaps most disgracefully of all, the right wing of his own party. How on earth will Corbyn and his reform agenda survive, let alone thrive, uh, in such constrained circumstances?
1: Uh, I have to say I'm quite pessimistic about this. Um, if he could somehow hold on um, until the next election, there might be a chance that he would be able to win that election because it's a very unstable, febrile situation and British politics is more and more characterized by shocks than anything else. Um, but the, the problem is that the Labour right doesn't recognize Um, the result. They don't really acknowledge democracy in any meaningful sense. They, Because their vote was so pitiful, the Blairite candidate got 4.5%, they weren't able to immediately go for a coup, uh, which is what they were talking about before the election. Um, They weren't able to immediately try and depose him, and they didn't immediately walk out of the party and try to form a new organization like a new Social Democratic Party. Um, as a sort of follow-up to what happened in 1981. Um, So they have decided to dig in for the long haul for a civil war. And they are going to be the major competence and the major pugilists. Just yesterday, uh, the Labour mayoral candidate, Sadiq Khan, who is not uh, a Blairite, uh, but is seen as somebody who's on the soft left of the party, engaged in a ferocious attack on the new Labour leadership, denouncing them for uh, allegedly being anti-Semitic or uh, allegedly supporting terrorism. Uh, This was an attack that took place in the Daily Mail, the most right-wing and reactionary of the British tabloids. And there have been a string of Labour MPs who've gone to the Daily Mail and other right-wing tabloids to attack uh, the new leadership. So the fight is very much on. And it seems that one of the... um, Uh, sort of milestones of this fight back is going to be the London Mayoral Contest. If Labour doesn't win the London Mayoral Contest, then they will blame Corbyn and they will try to have him removed as leader. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was always going to be difficult for him. And the labor right are not isolated in their fight. Obviously, as you've seen, uh, they've got uh, the establishment on their side. It's not just the right-wing media, it's the entirety of the media. They are all utterly hysterical, from The Guardian, which is supposedly a centre-left paper, um, and one that I used to write for, uh, and The Independent is slightly more fair-minded, but more or less uh, still part of the general anti corbyn consensus, all the way through The Times, The Telegraph, right down to The um, Daily tabloids. So. Um, And, of course, uh, alongside them, you've got the Conservative Party mounting a vicious fear campaign. And I think that you would find there's probably quite a lot of stubborn resistance within the civil service, which uh, has been uh, utterly transformed through decades of Thatcherism. Um, They would be very resistant to what Corbyn wants to implement. And uh, finally, just uh, a note on the army general who talked about an army mutiny Against Corbyn if he became prime minister and tried to reduce the size of the armed forces. I mean, this is an attempt to produce a Venezuelan-style um, culture of instability and uh, right-wing attack.
0: It was. It was so, an as- yes. This
1: is what we're facing.
0: It was an astonishing, if not surprising, statement from that uh, senior general, Richard Seymour. If I can ask you to tease out and explore a contradiction, which is that at one and the same time that a socialist has been elected to the leadership of the Labor Party, there remains a very sclerotic left outside of the Labor Party. There remains historically low levels of strike activity and trade union activity more generally. Social movements are really not particularly impressive in Britain, despite the turnout of 100,000 people, for instance, at a refugee rights demonstration in London the other day. And generally speaking, the left remains historically very weak. So how do you explain that sort of contradiction?
1: Uh, I think this is a general pattern, you know. Um, I, I've looked at some of the examples of what's happening across Europe. And what you find again and again is it's not the overwhelming strength of the left that enables them to push forward and make certain, uh, in, enjoy certain successes at the political level. It is a crisis in the parliamentary democratic system and in the representative system, and particularly a crisis in the traditional forms of social democracy. So again and again, what you see is that the old social democratic parties uh, adapt and adjust to the neoliberal order. They accept uh, so-called free market. They accept the uh, power of the banks and of finance. Um, They uh, give up on most of their core agenda, their traditional core agenda of redistributive politics, of public services, expansive uh, publicly owned uh, public services and so on. Um, And that opens up a space in which um, it's almost uh, like a vacuum, you know, and in that situation, very, very weakly rooted social forces are able to suddenly project influence well beyond their actual social basis. Um, And uh, I think it's important that the left comes to terms with one of the uh, features of this current situation because we have this tendency to look for strike action. You know, when a a crisis of capitalism happens, which uh, did happen back in 2008, we all thought it was going to be a a situation of uh, intensified class struggle, you know, out on the barricades, uh, out on the picket lines. Really, that didn't happen at all. The first reaction in the United Kingdom was that everybody looked for a comfortable middle ground. They wanted an honest broker, somebody who would cut everybody a fair deal. Um, And that's why we had the brief and lamentable Cleggism. you know, Nick Clegg, the liberal leader, um, uh, enjoying a very brief honeymoon. Um, So... The result then was actually, over a longer period, a a polarization of a different kind. First of all, benefiting the right, UKIP uh, enjoying um, considerable success. But now, to some extent, benefiting the left and uh, allowing the left to mobilize its forces and to occupy uh, the uh, vacuum that has been abandoned by the traditional Labour Party. So, I mean, I guess the only difference, really, is that uh, in Europe, uh, where this has happened, it's happened because uh, a party of the radical left, probably embodying elements of indigenous communist parties, uh, combined with uh, a breakaway element of the left wing of social democracy, has been able to take up that role, and usually get something in the region of 9%, uh, 10 11%, um, and only in a few cases get more than that, like Syriza and uh, uh, Podemos. Um, But this is really the only case that I'm aware of where it's actually been social democracy itself, the traditional social democratic party itself that's been the host of
0: this kind of leftist uh, surge. It's certainly an extraordinary set of circumstances. Finally, Richard Seymour, give us your view of how you see things playing out in the coming months in terms of Corbyn's reform agenda. He's due to announce a policy of renationalising the railways at the Labour conference in Brighton next week. Give us a bit more detail as to what precisely Corbyn's policy and reform agenda will be in the coming period.
1: Well, there's a number of things. Uh, I think he's mainly focusing on anti-austerity measures and on restoring public ownership and public control of certain... Uh, public services that have been semi-privatized. So for example uh, he's going to nationalize the wheels. he's also going to take the academies um, and put them back under local control, local educational control. So what had happened was that a number of schools had been farmed out to private institutions and uh, given public money to run them. Uh, they will now be taken back into public control and presumably the, um, uh, the academy status will be revoked. Um, there will be higher taxes on uh, corporate profits. He's not talking about taxing income so much because he recognizes actually the major um, change in the last uh, 30 or 40 years in terms of tax structure has been to reduce taxes on profits. So he's going to try and increase taxes on profits. He's going to try and enforce taxes more, uh, close down tax loopholes. And he's going to use that to spend... On public services. Um, He's going to um, address the housing crisis by building more housing. That's going to interfere with the housing market which is the major driver of the UK economy. So he's going to have to come up with a new way to drive growth and it looks like uh, the so-called people's quantitative easing is the major way that he's going to do this. This involves uh, simply printing money and diverting diverting it to um, industry and to lots of uh, uh, infrastructural and investment projects that would be driven by the public sector. So we're talking about redistribution, job creation, and public services, investment in public services. That's the core of his agenda. On other things like Trident, um, the nuclear missiles program, um, and on things to do with war, he may have to compromise a little bit with um, his parliamentary party's right wing, because those are the issues on which they're fighting back.